0: City Church, let's be the kind of church that is willing to give thanks. All that we have, all that we could ever hope to be comes from his hand. And I used, to, I used to read Exodus, and I used to say this about the Israelites, how ungrateful. You doubt the same God in the desert that parted the Red Sea? You saw this in your generation. You walked on dry land, and now you're in the desert for a couple of days, and you're tripping on God? And one day in prayer, I felt like God arrested me. He said, Ray, you do the same thing. Haven't I parted the Red Sea for you more than once? When you were trapped behind rebel lines in Liberia, and no uh, uh, male citizens were crossing the border, did not miraculously get you across the border, now you doubt if I can do this for you? We think that what we have is because of how smart we are and the family we were born into and our education, and we don't even pause long enough to give God thanks, and we have moments when we can be grateful to God and our worship becomes a spectator sport. We watch others give thanks, and we forget that just a few weeks or months or years ago, our backs were against the wall. And we cried out to God. And he came through. Let us never, never, ever be guilty. Let us never, ever be guilty of forgetting how far we've come. God's been too good to you. He's been too good to me. To stop now. And I'm talking to somebody this morning who finds themselves in the middle because that's usually the hardest place. You're somewhere between where you were and where you're headed, and then you're somewhere in this place and there's uncertainty, and usually that's the place where we forget. If you find yourself in the middle this morning, can I just declare to you that the God we serve, the God we serve, is not just the God of what you lost, but he is the God of what you have left. As I was studying Pastor Friday, I I wanted to do a message called A Few Good Men because I thought it would be really cute. And the more I prayed about it, y'all, and the more I thought about it, I felt in my heart that God wanted to encourage us this morning and remind us that he is the God Of what you have left. We see this pattern over and over from Genesis to Revelation when God resuscitated and resurrected and breathed new life, not in places where there was abundance, but in places where people were down to their very last. And this morning, God is saying, Will you let me be God of what you have left? No matter how little it is, no matter how insignificant it seems, God's word to you, God's word to us this morning is that he wants to be God over what you have left. If you'll only surrender it to him today. Let me pray and then we'll look quickly to God's word. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you will help me speak your word with the same accuracy with which I received it. I trust you, Father, in Jesus' name, to speak a word in season to our hearts, to every heart that is weary. And on this Father's Day, January 18th of 2017, June 18th of 2017, may our eyes be opened. To see that you are the God of what's left. Father, speak to your people as only you can. In Jesus' name. And Lord, that we will bring the remnant. No matter how small it is. No matter how small it is. No matter how insignificant it may seem. God, you are the God of what's left. I pray that for your people. I even feel that burden, God, this morning. (laughs) That God, the miracle will not be in what your people have lost. But that God, we will see the miracle what you want to do in us and through us Ah, with what is left. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I've chosen for my anchor text this morning a somewhat obscure passage of Scripture that's lifted from Acts chapter 14. Verses 19 through 20, and the text will be on the screen. I ask that you follow along. For those of you who are more uh, 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 technological, we do have notes available on New version. The instructions should be on the screen, how you can access access those notes. In Acts chapter 14, we find Paul having ministered in Lystra and Derbe, and having ministered there, the scripture says in verse 19, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there to where Paul was. And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Can I stop there for a second in City Church and let you know that sometimes you can be in the middle of the will of God And all hell can break loose. Paul is doing what God instructed him to do. He's serving God. He has sacrificed the best years of his life. And in the middle of doing what God instructed him to do, he's being persecuted and he's stoned and left for dead. Can I say this to you this morning, City Church? Just because it's hard doesn't mean God's not in it. Let me tell you something about adversity. Adversity will either make a wimp of you or it will make a warrior of you because adversity will always introduce you to yourself. You don't know. I don't know what I'm really made of until I'm confronted with adversity. And here's Paul. In the middle of obeying God, he's stoned and left for dead. But he's about to encounter a God who is the God of what's left. And sometimes when life gets hard, you just need some people to surround you, to encourage you to begin again. Because the narrative doesn't end with Paul's stoning. This is what the scripture says in verse 20. It says, however. Somebody say however. However. Sometimes the most important words in all of scripture are just those kind of conjunctions that join the first thought with the second thought. He was stoned and left for dead. However. Can I just say to somebody this morning who feels like they're at the end of their rope? Like you've been stoned and left for dead. The very people you set yourself to help are the ones who turned on you. If you've ever been in that place, y'all, there is a however. If you've ever been in that place this morning, City Church, I want to tell you that there is a but God. Never put an exclamation point where God has placed a comma. There's more to your story than what you know right now. Because our God is not just the God of what you lost. He's the God of what you have left. No matter how little it may be this morning, City Church, he wants to breathe life into what you have left. So notice the scripture says, however, when the disciples gathered around him. Can I say something else? I already said this, just because it's hard doesn't mean God's in it. Can I say this? When life gets hard, make sure you got the right people around you. I've been, I told you a few weeks ago, I've been re-evaluating what friendship is. And what most of us call friends are not friends at all. The Bible says that a friend sticks closer than a brother. If these are people who are only there when things are good cannot call them a friend. Listen, we live in a social media driven society, right? Where there's people who send you friend requests that you never met. And as soon as you confirm them, now they're friends and they're privy to your life. Every picture, every post. But are they truly your friends? Because a friend is not, doesn't only stay closer than a brother, but the scripture says a friend is born for adversity. The reason the people that you should call friends exist and are in your circle is because you know that they are born for adversity. They will be there when times are hard. So listen to this. The fact that these disciples came to Paul's aid means that they were willing to risk their own lives. Y'all missed that. Mm -hmm. If somebody's just been stoned, and I go to their rescue. It means I expose myself to the very same conditions that they were exposed to. And most of us have friends who play it safe. As soon as life gets hard, they abandon you. And the scripture says these disciples came to Paul when he couldn't do it. Keep playing, keep playing. When he couldn't do it himself. When he couldn't do it himself. He had people surround him. And the scripture says they gathered round him and he rose up and went into the city. Let me tell you something else about what we find in the text. Sometimes the answer to your prayer, sometimes God will show up and it will look like people. Don't you think that Paul, as he's lying there, At the point of death, cried out to God, God, help me. And guess who God used? He used people. Listen, 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 listen. Sometimes, sometimes your circle, your circle has to decrease in size in order to increase in value. Think you're not strange, though. When people begin to exit your life, your circle will get smaller the closer you get to God's purpose and plan for your life. The closer Jesus got to the cross, the smaller the crowd got. Jesus preached to multitudes, and the closer he got to the cross, it got down to 72. And then it went from 72 to 12. He got in the garden of Gethsemane and it got down to three. And even those three fell asleep on him. And Jesus comes to those who he had poured his life into for three years and says, couldn't you even stay up with me for one hour? At his most vulnerable moment, he had to go this thing alone. Make sure you got people in your life who are born for adversity, not just when times are good. And so yesterday we relaunched our men's ministry. And there were nine guys who came together and said, Pastor Ray, this is what I think the men's ministry should be about. This should be our mission and our vision. And it's three things. It's an acrostic. Number one, the M is motivate. That as men, we're going to motivate each other to be all that God created us to be. We're going to challenge each other. When we find a brother that's down, left, uh, 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 almost dead, we're going to come in and we're going to surround him. We're going to gather around him and breathe life into him. Because at City Church, we're not going to be competitive. We're going to be collaborative. Yeah. At City Church, we will be our brother's keeper. In fact, my wife knows this. Knows this At about 12 o'clock. No, not 12. It was about 11. Just before 11. I said, baby, i got to go to the video store. Because i got to rent this movie. Lo and behold, she had bought the movie for, for me for Father's Day. Because there's something about camaraderie, and there's something about loyalty, and there's something that, about sacrifice that speaks to me. So I say, hey, baby, I'm going to the store, and I'm going to rent 13 Hours. Have you, anybody seen 13 Hours? You haven't seen it? Incredible movie. I encourage every man to get 13 Hours. It's the, sequ- the story of Benghazi. And the reason I love that movie is because it exemplifies what brotherhood looks like. That we're going to win together and we're going to die together. And I went and rented that movie. And I was up, I'm sorry, my wife bought it. I told her I was going to go to the store. I said, hold, baby, hold on, hold on, baby, hold on. <laughs> y'all know how y'all do. She's like, Ugh. hold on. Did I do good, y'all, the ladies? That's, that's how y'all do So she went to the room and brought out 13 hours. I popped that thing in. You you heard me, right? The whole time. I was so fired up, man. Not only because I'm a military guy, but in part my heart was broken because I saw military guys who were willing to do more for each other than we are willing to do as men in the kingdom for each other. And my prayer, my prayer, has been that as men, we would be willing to live by that code. That I'll die for my brother. And I will live to protect my brother. And when I see my brother down, almost left for dead, we will gather around him and breathe life into him. Look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. I'm fast forwarding through my notes so I can let you guys go. I'll make sure y'all get to Lubies before the Baptist. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Luby's in the house. Listen to what this says in the voice translation. And I don't know where you are. It may be you're holding on to a job. It may be you're holding on to a marriage that you feel like, man, this thing is dying. I don't know what you're dealing with, but this morning, God says, I'm the God of what is left. The the Revelation chapter 3 verse 2 in the voice. It says, wake up from your death sleep. Has life ever hit you so hard, man, it just knocked the wind out your sails? And you couldn't even get up out the bed. God says, Wake up from your death sleep. And he says, strengthen what remains of the life you have been given. Strengthen what remains of the life that you have been given, and is about to die. It is in danger of death. Notice what he says: I have judged your deeds as far from complete in the sight of God. You know why he calls us back from our death sleep? It's because he says, you still have more to do. The reason those disciples surrounded Paul was that was not the end of his time here on earth. He still had work. Can I say to you this morning, City Church, that no matter how hard it seems, God has seen your deeds And he says, the work that I have yet to do in you is far from complete. So strengthen what you have left. Breathe life into what you have left. Don't throw in the towel now. Don't quit now. I know your legs are tired. I know you don't have one more rep left. But I've got more for you to do because I'm the God of what's left. So three points in my out of your way. I'll go quickly number one what you lost was painful but what you have left is prophetic what you lost has to do with your past but what you have left no matter how small it is has to do with what's ahead it has to do with your future and most of us go through life right We're we're going through life and we keep looking back and God says, I have something entirely new in front of you and you keep looking back at what you lost. How many of you realize that those of us who drive looking in the rear view mirror not only end up hurting ourselves, but we end up hurting everybody in close proximity to us. Try driving down the tollway looking in your rear view mirror the whole time. Not only are you going to crash, but there's going to be collateral damage all around you what you lost was painful but it's behind you what you have left no matter how small it is speaks the speaks to the potential of the future that God has for you the divorce was painful whatever it was in your past whatever it was painful but God has something brand new for you. Yeah. And that's why Dr. Martin Luther King said it this way we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Yeah. It's okay to say this and didn't turn out the way I expected. It's okay to grapple with the pain of disappointment, yeah. but never exchange finite disappointment, time limit, shelf life, expiration date for infinite hope. And I wonder how many of us this morning are willing to rekindle the hope that we once had of a future that's better than what we experience right now. Number two, number two, number two. (laughs) You can mourn what you lost or you can give thanks for what's left. You can mourn what you lost or give thanks for what's left. Can I tell you that one of the toughest things to do when you find yourself in the middle is to find something to be grateful for. And let me tell you this your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thought because what you think about you stay connected to. And if you get fixated on the past you will lose your ability to give thanks for what you still have. Listen to what Job said Come on, somebody. <laughs> Job is like the poster boy for adversity and how to, ma- let me tell you something, life, success in life can be balled out to two words, y'all. Y'all want to know what they are? Pain management. The extent to which you are able to manage life's most painful circumstances will determine the extent to which you experience the abundant life because pain comes to us all. Uh, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I give you Job's prescription for pain management? Job chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, but he said to her, speaking of Job, speaking to his wife, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall, not, and shall we not accept adversity? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You know what Job was saying? Job was saying that your circumstances and my circumstances don't change who God is. If God was good in the good times, He's still God who is good in the bad times. God doesn't change with our circumstances. So, so Job says, Job says, learn to give thanks for what remains even after you've lost everything. Notice at this point, Job has lost his whole family, he's lost all his possessions. He's got nothing except a wife who says, curse God and die. And in the midst of it, Job begins to consider the one thing he has left. And even his wife said, this is what his wife said. Before she said, curse God and die, you know what she said? She said, Job, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? You know what she was saying to him? He said, you're going to still be as faithful to this God? After we've lost everything as you were before when we had everything? Job said, yeah. I'm going to hold on to my integrity. I will continue to worship and praise Him even in the bad times. That's why He said, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. He learned to give thanks for what was left. He learned to give thanks for what was left. He learned to give thanks for what was left. He learned to give thanks for what was left. He learned to give thanks for what was left. He learned to give thanks for what was left. left. And this is what the Scripture says in Job chapter 42. Job had three knuckle-headed friends who all tried to explain to Job why the trouble came. You know, one of the, the fascinating things about Scripture, Scripture never says, you can read Genesis to Revelation, it'll never tell you why trouble comes. There's nowhere in Scripture where you will find God say, this is why this trouble came. What you will find is God saying, this is how you respond. And so Job, the scripture says, had three friends. And the scripture says Job, who had lost everything, prayed for his friends. And when Job prayed for his friends, who didn't have any trouble in their lives, their lives were much better than Job's, but Job had enough fortitude to pray for these three friends. The scripture says God turned it around. And God gave Job more at the end of his life than what he lost. Because he's the God of what you have left. Notice what Stephen Furtick said. He says the access point to joy is not accumulation. It's gratitude. We think that we'll be happier if we got more stuff. And that's why we're so frustrated because we consider what we lost. And we think that the only way we can be happy again is we get more stuff. Yet the access point to the joy of the Lord is not the stuff we accumulate. It's in the things that we're thankful for that we do have. Okay, number three. This is where I close. Number three there is purpose and there is power in what remains. It's the story of Gideon. Gideon had 30,000 men with him going into battle. God said, pump the brakes. There's a whole bunch of people with you, but you can't do nothing with them. Job had a church congregation of 30,000, and in one day, it went from 30,000 to 300. And God said, this is all you need. You know what God told you? He said, look, these people are around you. They ain't with you. Their hearts are filled with fear. And there are going to be times in your life when there will be people who surround you, but they ain't with you. You can't bring them where you're going. And sometimes we mourn things that exit our life when God does that to help us. Because you can't bring what you lost into the future with you. Notice what God says in Judges chapter 7 and verse 7. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. This is what that means. God can and will do more with what you have left than what you lost. Amen. Y'all missed that, eh? God can and will. Do more with what you have left than what you lost. This morning, God wants us to consider. He wants us to consider what we have left and not despise it, but celebrate it. Because he's going to breathe new life into what you have left. And it's going to be a seed for the future that he has imagined for you. From from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. You will find God as the God of what people had left. To a boy with a little lunchable, two loaves and five fish, brought it to Jesus, and he multiplied it and fed 5,000 men. Uh, uh, With a widow who was about to eat her last meal. That was all she had left. She had nothing else. She said, I've got enough for one meal for me and my child, and we're going to die. And the God of what's left showed up. And he said, give me all you have. That's the problem with some of us. We hold on to what we got left. And let me tell you this. As long as you hold on to what you have left, that's all it will ever be. If you have a handful of seed that you never plant, all those seeds will be is a handful of seed. But if you take that handful of seed, and you let go of it, and you sow it, and you put it in God's hand, that handful of seed that you held on to, once you released it, now becomes an incredible harvest. That is too much for you to even count. It's for somebody this morning. You're holding on to what you have left. So God said, entrust it to me. Put it in my hands. And I'll take what you give me, like the boy with the two loaves and the five fish. And I'll multiply. it. Give me what you have left. The widow had two pennies. It was what she had left. At the wedding feast, they ran out of wine, but all they had left was water. He's still the God of what you have left. This morning... God wants to introduce himself or reintroduce himself to us as the God of what you have left. On Father's Day, there's a side of God that he wants us to see. No matter what you've lost, he is more concerned about what you have left. And what I have left, I have to be willing to release into his hands. And that's where most of us get stuck. We go into self-preservation mode and think we should protect it and hold on to it. This morning, none of this, none of this will help you unless you make that ultimate decision to surrender what you have left to the God who is able to take what you have left and breathe new life over it and multiply it for his glory. Here's why. Your history does not have to be your destiny. He wants you to strengthen what remains. Others have counted you out, but God kept you in. You're alive. You're still here. You're still here. The fact that you're still here means that there's work he still has for you to do. And don't think it's strange, City Church. Do not think it's strange. I have yet to take a test that only had one problem. Ooh, y'all missed that. Where where are all my educators here? Whenever you sit down on a test, you just graduated? High school, college thing going on? When when, when was the last time you took a test that had only, you took one yesterday? How many problems did they have on it? 48. How many have ever taken a one-problem test? Oh, there's one, well, three. Okay, so y'all messed up my whole flow. (laughs) See? Why y'all didn't just pretend like... Okay, let me put it this way. Rarely will you ever take a test that that has only one problem, strengthen that, which strengthen that which remains. So if you're in that place where it says it's one problem after the other, after the other, okay. it's all a test and God will bring you through all of it. No matter what you have left, God says strengthen that which remains. If you're struggling in your relationship, struggling in your marriage. Look, sometimes you just got to act your way into into a feeling instead of feeling your way into an action. You ain't going to feel like it. Just reach out and hold her hand and squeeze it. Strengthen that which remains. Y'all ain't got nothing to talk, say to each other. Take her to Starbucks and y'all just sit there and look at each other. But strengthen that which remains. Start somewhere and God will show up in your life, and resurrect those hopeless, seemingly hopeless situations that you thought were lost forever because he wants to be the God of what remains. Let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Father. We'll ask the team to come as we prepare to close. Father, there was so much more I wanted to get into But God, I trust you to do the work in the heart.